0: And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to... We're Watchin' Here! We're Watchin' Here! This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, he is the Seth Rogen and my Paul Dano. Perry Cyber. <laughs>
1: so I get the girl, but I'm kind of an a-hole. Okay, I'll take it.
0: There you go. I have to get slapped <laughs> by uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. So. You gave
1: the better performance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I gave more of the performance. Um, I although do. I like, I, I like, and <laughs> not to, sorry, like, not to get
1: too spoilers, I should probably save this, but since we're on this, I do like the fact that this is one of the other great films in the decade, except this time, Seth Rogen gets Michelle
0: Williams, <laughs> I think I texted you that joke. You might have. That's really good. It's,
1: I should give you full credit for that. That
0: was very good. Yeah, it was I refreshing to see her uh, leave someone for for Seth Rogen yes, this time. Yes. Maybe. So those are very spoilery um, remarks to the uh, the fact that today we're going to talk about a lot of films, but particularly Steven Spielberg's The Fabelmans. Uh, it's been a while since we last talked. This will probably be the last episode of the year. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna make it count. How are you doing, Perry? I am great. I am in
1: the holiday season, which means awards season. All the good movies are out. There's so much good stuff to see and
0: talk about. I saw Violent Night. <laughs> <laughs> and how was it? We're going to talk about that in a little okay, bit. Okay, okay. Um, but I, I'm doing well. I'm in the holiday spirit. There's a lot of Christmas movies on at our house right now. So we have two young ones. So it's always The Grinch or Elf or Christmas Story Um which yeah. version of the Grinch? Um, if I am not home, they will sometimes put on the Jim Carrey one. That's an abomination. If I am home, they are not allowed to watch that. You're a good um, father. You're a good will, father, Chris. I will allow them to play the Benedict Cumberbatch one if I am out of the room. Um, but, <laughs> but, That's but, preferable to the Jim Carrey film in right? every possible way. Yeah, absolutely. But if I am home watching TV with them, it's Boris Karloff. So, okay. Yeah. yeah They're getting all that. of them. That's good so yeah holiday spirit uh end of the year trying to fit everything in um i don't know about you i am not going to do an end of the year list before the end of 2022 um i'll probably do mine sometime in january is usually when i get around to finally catching up with that yeah i've said
1: okay i've I've said before my law
0: is i got till the oscars and that's when we'll do our best of the year yeah exactly so um but yeah no it's good to be back uh What's nice is we're recording this a week after uh, the BFI announced their decade list, uh, the 100 best films ever made, which coincidentally is a topic we tackled a few months back. Yes. Um, yeah, it was a very interesting list this year. Perry, you want to talk about it at all? Uh, I, well, we
1: have a new number one film. We have a new greatest film of all time. It's a film that I am,
0: I've never been able to pronounce I never took French. I'm no good at this. Can you take a crack at this, Chris? Do you know how to do it? No, because I've just been calling it Jean Delman. Um, okay. and, and there's a whole like other mess of addresses and stuff following it that, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've just, we'll just call it by the name.
1: I am. Uh, and all I will say is that, uh, I think that's a much better choice than vertigo for number one. <laughs> uh it wouldn't be my choice for number one but i i like it much better over vertigo as i've said vertigo is the best film hitchcock made so it can't be the best film ever made uh and and i really like this list i i i understand there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of hue and cry and a lot of complaints and if you're really bearing down and looking at this thing it's still a whole lot of white guys it's still mm-hmm. a whole lot of white guys and films that have been there forever Uh, and rightfully so. Uh, Like, I, I, yes, I don't, I don't buy that this is some sort of giant woke infused reappraisal. It's a reappraisal. We do this. This is why we do it every 10 years. The tastes are changing. It's okay. It's a very good list. I will admit personally, I like the director's list better and I almost never think that. (laughs) I do think if you dig deep on the 100 best, the 100 films the directors chose, I think that's all in all a stronger and more engaging set of films, but it's not like bad stuff ends up on this list.
0: No, and a lot of it is just a reorganization of where things yes. end up. At, absolutely absolutely. Um, you know, I think what John Delman is what, number four or five on the director's list? Right. So, uh, which is a film I have not seen. I hadn't even heard of it until about... I think five years ago when it came out on Criterion. Yeah. Um, so, as soon as I saw the list and people talking about it, I was like, oh, I bet this is on Criterion channel. I'll go add it to my queue. Maybe I'll watch it tonight, you know, after work. And uh, no, this movie's three and a half hours long. So, uh, and there... it's a slow three and a half hours. Yeah. So, I've heard that. <laughs> so, uh, it's I real do... good, but it's I... real slow. And that's fine. I do have two weeks off work coming up. So, uh, maybe I can fit it in there. Just make it a double feature. Watch that. Then
1: rewatch the Irishman. Just there we spend go. seven hours,
0: seven hours. I think that's what we'll do. There will be no football in the house on new year's day. <laughs> the family will just, uh, gather around the TV for that. My seven year old will love it. The kiddies will flock <laughs> to it. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was a good list. Um, I, I, there was some new ones I was glad to see on there. I was surprised we had talked about things like maybe boyhood or the before trilogy when we did our list or, um, I really, I, I had a, I had a feeling that Mad Max Fury Road would get on there just because a lot of younger critics have been talking it up a lot in the last few years. Um, and they weren't on, and none of those were on there. As you pointed out before we recorded, there's no Coen Brothers, which just seems baffling to me. Um, yeah. But I was really glad to see Get Out make it. I like Get Out quite a bit. Um, it was a reminder that I still have to catch up. I've never gotten around a portrait of a lady on fire. And... uh I, I need it's to catch up with that. It's just one of those ones. I got a screener at the end of screening season one year and um, it stayed in that pile. So that happens. Yep. That happens. So Yeah, there are only 18
1: living filmmakers with
0: at least one film
1: on the list. And that should let you know that this is, uh, this is, this isn't quite the massive shifting reappraisal you think yeah. it is,
0: <laughs> but it's really cool. Like something like John Delman, like this is going to be a film that is added to a lot of, you know, film studies courses over the next yes. 10 years, which is why you do a list like this. It sets Absolutely. the canon. It, 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 you can argue about where things place or should they be on the list, but it brings them into the conversation. And that's the important part. All lists are a snapshot. There is no canon. There's just this, you know, it's a moving target
1: always. And so I love that they do this every 10 years. It's one of the, it's you know it's one of those things if i ever think yeah i think i've seen everything i need to see in life it's like no let's make it to the next sight and sound list i want to make it to there <laughs> there you go there you go i want to know what that is it's motivation
0: so, exactly and and next next time they do it i'm sure uh robert zemeckis's pinocchio will have made enough of a indent in our culture to oh make as it to well i'm the sure the fourth avatar sequel the, i'm sure that the one in 2026 is going to be Mwah, choice yeah, I mean th- that'll be coming out around then. So, oh, <laughs> uh, so today we're gonna we're gonna just kind of do one of our what we're watching episodes. There's a lot out, like Perry said. Um, I I know you've probably been spending a lot of time at the theater. I've I have. I've been spending a lot of time at the theater or watching DVD screeners of a lot of times mostly horrible things. Um, But we're going to talk about that. It's a way to kind of just close up our discussion for this year. Uh, We'll be back continuing with our our Robert Altman marathon in January. Um, And a few other, few other topics we'll discuss, but this is just kind of a free for all. Um, There is a lot out there and yeah, it's a chance to catch up. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you want me to start? Do you start want to start us off, Chris? I'll start you off. Um, so, I did think like I had an even longer list of things that, that I was going to uh, talk about or I could have talked about, but I don't want to talk about Black Panther 2 because it's bad, uh, aside from the first 10 minutes, which are really good um, and really touching. Uh, and I don't want to talk about Disenchanted because even though I loved Enchanted when it came out, Disenchanted is how I felt when the sequel rolled. Yes. Um, it is quite disappointing. Um, but I figured it's Christmas time, and this year there have been a lot of new Christmas movies released. Perry, how do you feel about Christmas movies in general? Are you a big do you watch a lot of Christmas movies this time of year or are you? No. No, I, and I like Christmas movies, but it's not so we
1: have we there are a lot of a lot of TV specials. End up getting rewatched every year in the house. Okay. Um, But as far as Christmas movies go, my household growing up, uh, I grew up in it. It was we were a miracle on Thirty Fourth Street household. That was our Christmas Eve movie every Uh, year. Richard Attenborough. And and oh no, Natalie Wood (laughs) definitely. And then, uh, uh, and as uh, in the last thirty years, the only film to be added to that canon is Love Actually which I adore and could watch any time. I don't even think of that as a Christmas movie. That's just sheer entertainment for me. So, uh, but it's become a Christmas Eve tradition uh, in my house along, along with Miracle on 34th street. I, uh, I have never cared for it's a wonderful life. Uh, Oh God. (laughs) me me a gross cynic. I just, (laughs) it's, I've never, I've never really loved it. Uh, It's fine. I, I don't, I, it's, it's hard for me to get behind bailing out the dude who mishandled the savings and loan. But that's just me. <laughs> uh, I like it, and I I love that Saturday Night Live skit with the the ending they didn't go with, where they just kicking <laughs> the death. crap out of him. That's so that's so good. Um, I, uh, and I'm trying to think what else stands. For... And the only other thing that honestly, Chris, that I watch every year, and this is just for me, I am I am a sucker for a very Murray Christmas. I, I do love that. I yes. that special tremendously, and I usually end up watching that uh, alone early one morning or late one night near that's... Christmas time
0: that's that's a go to for me and i am the only one in our house who likes that so uh that's usually a sunday night everyone else is in bed and i'm like i'll pour some eggnog and and sit down with that uh we are i am absolutely a christmas movie junkie um my dad had a habit of growing up we would uh every year he made a big deal about buying a new christmas movie um oh, okay. so i kind of grew that's up right. there was always always the weird ones like uh the gathering with ed asner which is about <laughs> an old man who learns he's dying. So he has his whole family over to say goodbye. And we'd all leave the room because we didn't want to watch my dad cry. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Happy holidays. Yeah. I'm a big fan (laughs) of Muppet Christmas Carol. That's brilliant.
1: Um, That is brilliant. That's the best version of a Christmas
0: Carol. I I like, I I like a little bit of Elf, a little, like a little bit of home alone. Um, I do not like Scrooged. I kind of hate Scrooged. Oh, I'm okay with Scrooge. Um, I love It's a Wonderful Life. It is one of my all-time favorite movies, and so you are you are wrong. Um, but uh, this year, I got really excited because it's been a long time since I've had a good Christmas movie, and I was afraid that the only thing I was going to get this year was the Disney Plus streaming series, The Santa Clauses, um, <laughs> in which I am I'm watching it with my kids. I am very embarrassed to admit that because it's very bad, um, but Tim Allen does complain that People will get mad if you just wish them a Merry Christmas. So, uh, oh, of course he does. Yeah, of course, because
1: because like (laughs) like C.S. Lewis, in that world, both Santa Claus and Christianity live.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, Oh, oh, oh. but uh, (laughs) um there are three movies out this year that I saw that I liked to varying degrees. And we'll see if maybe I can add one of these to your uh, holiday roundup. Uh, So the first is spirited, a movie that I am 99% sure you will hate. Um, (laughs) This is a modern day musical retelling of a Christmas Carol is told from the ghost's perspective. So Bob, I almost said Bob Marley. Uh, (laughs) Jacob Marley, uh, Ghost of Christmas Past, Present and Future. Bob Marley, I'm into this movie, I I would 100% watch that. (laughs) Every year, the ghosts pick a new soul to redeem. This year, they have their sights set on a uh, vain PR executive played by Ryan Reynolds. Um, The Ghost of Christmas Present really takes the lead on this. It is played by Will Ferrell. uh, And it is a musical with songs written by the people who did The Greatest Showman, which I agree with the critic who said it is the worst movie I have ever liked. Um...
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I like the line from um, uh, Space Force. There's a great line in Space Force in which one of the characters say, have you seen The Greatest Showman? I mean, the movie was the movie wasn't good, but that soundtrack
0: fire. <laughs> <laughs> so, so listen, I said I hate Scrooge, So I was all open on a uh, update of A Christmas Carol to Modern Day. There's kind of some interesting ideas in here. Um there's there's some new tweaks uh, regarding Will Ferrell's character's identity. Uh, the songs are kind of fun. It makes you feel Christmassy, but your general tolerance for this movie is going to depend on how much you like Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, and I am guessing that is not much. That
1: is that is it just about 0 for me. They're both <laughs> they're both uh, much more tolerable in very small doses and Ryan Reynolds not at all. So <laughs> But I almost went to see this this weekend. So oh, really? I, I, I'm not, I'm not off the job. I would give this a shot just because for a variety of reasons, I'm, I'm all for supporting a new, a genuine new musical. Even if I have no faith in the track record of the people who wrote the songs, because I much care for the songs in La La Land either. Uh, but I, I would, I would give this a shot at the okay. very least way more than I would uh, that, that Christmas story sequel,
0: which I'm sure is maybe Hold fine. On. Don't tell me. Tell me. <laughs> well, tell first me, I will. I will just say, with spirited, it's exactly what you'd expect. It's Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds playing exactly to their personas. I have a little more tolerance for that, so I kind of enjoyed it. It is about three hours of movies stuffed into two hours and ten minutes. It is busy and kind of <laughs> drives you nuts in places, but it also has Tracy Morgan as the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come, which I kind of like. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> If he's in full-on Tracy Morgan mode, I'm in. He's he's in about five minutes of the movie. But... <laughs> That's about all it can take. But, yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's fine. If you're fans of them, it's fine. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. <laughs> um, it, is, it is content. Um... I'm going to get this future Christmas pregnant. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I want to see this. I want to see this bad now. I did not know this. I really want to see that five minutes. So you mentioned uh, a Christmas story. Do you care for the original at all? I... Here's the weird thing about the original. Have you ever just listened to the Gene Shepard stories? Um, I started reading the Gene Shepard story this year. Um, he was a spectacular radio performer. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way to hear these.
1: So like a, a, that movie would be, that movie is enhanced so much by the voiceover. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, so like, that's why I, that is my affection towards it. I like it a lot. I, I think it's very funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it is, uh, I, I have, it has not played well with the younger generation in not just my house, but in my extended family. Oh, really? No one seems to care for it uh, because we're all better parents. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so they can't really relate in any capacity to this. And not that my parents were bad, but it's like, I guess I was close enough to knowing people like that I was like, all right. That's fine. There are still things I really like about a Christmas story. I will watch a Christmas story if it, you know, if, if someone's like, Hey, let's put this on like fine. I rarely choose to put it on anymore just because I probably know it real well. It's not that I don't want to see it again. It's just, I, I know this real well and get nothing more out of
0: it. All right. Well, I saw, I like a Christ- okay, well, I saw a Christmas story, Christmas, yeah. which is now on HBO max. Uh, it is actually about the fourth sequel to a Christmas story. Right. Um, right. when you consider all of the gene shepherd adaptations but then also i think a few years ago they actually did a christmas story too with daniel stern as the old man that is supposed to be wretched that's um, right i had completely forgotten yep. this until right now when you mentioned it yes so this is the first proper sequel to the movie in that peter billingsley is back as ralphie he's going back home um in the 1970s after his father died and he's going to give his family a good Christmas, but also write an obituary for his old man. And I, I love a Christmas story. It's huge in our house. My kids love it. It's usually the first movie they want to watch, which is really frustrating for me because it's a Christmas Eve movie for me. So I want to like hold it off. Um, so I, I had my arms crossed when I was going to, that. I was like, y- you're going to have to prove this one to me. Uh, and surprisingly, I really liked it. Uh, it is good. It it, uh, it it really kind of is in line with Gene Shepard's stories. Uh, if you go back and read um, In God We Trust All Others Pay Cash that the first book pulled from, uh, the whole narrative of that story is Ralphie going back home to his hometown and going to his friend Flick's bar. And that sets up this movie a lot. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's definitely a sequel in that it tries to recreate a lot of the slapstick and stuff from the first movie, which doesn't work uh, when you have 40-year-old men, you know, going (laughs) sledding down sledding hills and stuff. But um, Peter Billingsley, actually he does a really solid Gene Shepherd imitation um, uh, of in the narration that really worked for me. Very cool. But um, it's also very sweet. Like, maybe it's just my age. I'm 43. I have young kids. It is about a man in his 40s with very young kids trying to give him a good Christmas. I could kind of relate to that, but (laughs) The uh, the stuff about him writing an obituary for his father and finding his his steps as a writer I I thought was really sweet and touching and you know it's not great it's not going to be playing twenty four hours a day on Christmas Eve but it's it's good it's better than it should have been
1: I will I will throw it on this weekend All as right. I would I would throw on spirited
0: if I had Apple TV. All right. Well, you should get tea' There's good stuff. But that, that's a topic for another day. So the last Christmas stuff I'll get to before we get to the really good stuff that we want to talk about is, um, like I said, I saw Violent Night this weekend um, because I had a few hours. And... Uh, <laughs> Okay, Uh, and I this is how big of a sucker I am for Christmas movies, Um, because this is actually the second movie in two years to feature a violent Santa Claus taking on bad guys. Uh, You might remember 2020 had Fat Man with uh, everyone's favorite jolly old elf Mel Gibson in it, Yes, Um, which is not an awful movie, mainly because Walton Goggins is the hitman who's trying to kill him. And that's. (laughs) He's fun. Um, this is David Harbour playing a bitter, drunken Santa Claus who's just about out of Christmas magic. Uh, he's going around the world one night. He ends up at a house where a family, a rich family, is held hostage, and he decides to summon the skills he, he had as a Viking warrior to um, to take on the bad guys. And this is a movie that is basically a... 2 hour long saturday night live sketch um that works because it commits to the bit. All uh, right, it goes all in. It this is a Santa Claus that is can literally lay the finger on the side of his nose and go up a chimney, flies around the world with reindeer and uh you know, has a list of naughty and nice, but he also has a sledgehammer called skull crusher. He uh he, <laughs> He can fashion candy canes into shivs. Um, it is a bonkers, bloody, weird ass movie, um, and, and I kind of loved it. Uh, it's it,
1: all this is just making me remember one of my other favorite Christmas movies, which is Bad Santa. I will watch Bad Santa okay. anytime. time, and yeah. I'm sure it's not. It's, it's it's it sounds like a much different beast than Bad Santa. But I is. might check this out. I like David Harbor.
0: He's he's a good actor. It's he can sell this. It, the thing I enjoyed is you could definitely tell this was made by people who grew up watching Home Alone and uh around okay. a certain age decided Yep, around a certain age decided, holy cow, he would have killed those people. And uh <laughs> so there's there's a lot of that in this. Uh it's probably a little too graphically violent in places to really sell the joke totally, but I had a really good time with that. Excellent. So. Excellent. So, Merry Christmas! Now we're going to talk about the good stuff, Perry. What have you been watching?
1: Uh, oh, so much, Chris. But I wanted to. I wanted to be careful here. So let's.
0: start I, I know. I, I know.
1: I blathered on and on about how great Tar was last time we talked. So I'll skip talking about Tar oh, again,
0: except that I will say I saw Tar. Oh, and uh, I, I think I saw it like a few days after you you talked about it. Um, and and I like Tar quite a bit, and I agree with you one hundred percent. It is a fantastic character study, and Kate Blanchett is fantastic.
1: Yay! Uh, uh, there's uh, uh, there's a couple of films we're going to talk about that we've both seen in a little bit, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm holding off on mentioning either of those. But I uh, I went to check out the menu. Oh, which uh, started life as a blacklist script a couple years ago. Oh, I did not and know that. Finally got made, and it is. Uh, I, I I I expected to like it. Okay. Okay. And then the sheer joy of it is not only is it very good uh in that the trailer feels like it gives away the whole film and it both does and doesn't like there there are no surprises if you've seen the trailer like everything happens that you expect is going to happen about Mm -hmm. the way you expect it to happen and yet it has one of the very best endings and i'm not talking about necessarily the last scene there is there is a the the movie is so well written that you can tell what you can tell what the big moment is going to be at the end of the movie. You can tell what Anya Taylor-Joy is going to do in order to get through to the Ray Fiennes character. And the best part is it still does that. Like it rewards you for paying attention. That this is what's going to happen. It goes one step after that, Chris. It is such a wonderful screenplay beat. It figures out the next thing. It is that moment, uh, it, is, it is not the same, but it is that moment in, uh, in Ratatouille when Ego tastes the Ratatouille mm-hmm. and we know he's going to love the Ratatouille. There's no other point. But to have that flashback to take him back to when he was a child and he remembers eating the Ratatouille his mother made. Yes, yes. Not that it is that. It is not that beat. I'm just giving you, it's that kind of beat. It's that smart a next step to take that resolves the much bigger emotional story that has been being told throughout this. What seems like a jet black comedy with no heart has, it might not have a heart, but oh, it has a soul. Mm. <laughs> it has a soul. It really it really is a, a wonderfully twisted character study <laughs> at the end uh, that finds the perfect grace note to end on. Uh, and so I was like, I was tickled that I enjoyed it so much. I laughed regularly. Everybody's very good. It does not linger on anything for too long. It's surprisingly bloody. <laughs> uh, and a very good time. I, I I really had I really had fun at the menu and it would make uh the most fascinating double feature with tar.
0: <laughs> I thought you were gonna say ratatouille, but <laughs> no, tar. tar. Oh interesting. Yeah. I've I've been really curious about that. Um it's in theaters now, which means it'll be on streaming in about two weeks, the way things are going. So I will have to check it out. Um no, I, I'm really curious about that one. I've heard good things. Um uh, interesting, uh related. My kids recently revealed to us that their favorite Pixar movie is Ratatouille. They they absolutely adore that movie and I've sat and watched it with him a few times, and I'm like, oh, maybe my favorite Pixar is Ratatouille. If you've got a critic in your life, then yes, it's very likely that Ratatouille will mean a lot to you. It's so good. <laughs> it's it's a film about art
1: and artists and criticism that is really smart about all of those things.
0: Yes. Yeah, it, it's really good. <laughs> um, so I saw one. I was going to talk about two here, but I'm only going to talk about one of them. Um, but I will say, if any of you get a chance to go out and uh, rent After Yang, which came out earlier this year, check that out. It's very good. Um, but I did recently see After Sun. Um, I actually think I saw it like the same day I saw Tar and Banshees of In Sharon, which, <laughs> which just makes for like a great day. Um, so after Sun, I, have have you heard of this? Seen this? No, I
1: saw you. You told me you texted me that this was great, and I should absolutely go check it out. And I I still know nothing about it.
0: It it is a very small movie. It's a debut feature uh, from Charlotte Wells, who's a Scottish filmmaker. Um, and it's it's a very small film about the the main core of the story is a father and his daughter taking a week long vacation. Um, in the 90s. And that is 95% of the stories. You are just with them at this resort. You're watching them relax and go about their week together, except that throughout, if you're paying attention, because it's very subtle, um, you you're also, you're watching a lot of this through like home video footage, and you realize at the edge of the screen, it's being reflected that someone is watching this footage. And what really comes clear is, this is one of the people in that footage watching it years later. Uh The film never makes this too explicit. It doesn't lay too fine of a point on it. Oh, nice. Um, this is a movie, uh, you know, that just observes these people over this course of the week. And there's not, there's not conflict. There's not trauma. It's just watching them. And really it's about the subtle changes, subtle things going on. Um, and really it's about that time when your kids start to realize you are not the center of the universe and they start becoming their own person and they, you know, they don't want to hold your hand. They want to, they don't want to be around you a hundred percent of the time. They want to be with their friends. They, but also looking back to realize your parents were going through something a lot of times that they hid from you, that there are unspoken things that parents kept from their kids. And this is someone looking back, trying to understand those things that were never said um and, and that all sounds very vague because it's a very subtle quiet movie It you have to pay attention to it but um
1: oh it sounds great y- uh, yeah
0: y- you spend about two hours trying to understand what the whole point is and then the the final shot of the movie just broke me it uh it, it just most devastating final shot i've seen all year um yeah, this is, this is a, a, a really powerful movie, a really quiet movie. I've heard some people complain that it's a movie where nothing happens, but that's kind of the point of the movie is things that yeah. were not said. Um, so Excellent. I highly recommend it. It's it's very good. It's one of my favorites of this year. All right. Terry, what have you been seeing?
1: Oh, I think it's time to talk about we we've
0: both been seeing, Chris. Oh, I'm excited. Let's, I'm excited. Let's go to the old country, shall
1: we? It's time for my favorite Irish playwright, Barker McDonough's new film. The Banshees of Inishin, uh reunites Martin McDonough with the fantastic duo of Colin, Fre- of Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. And I think I've said it before. Brendan Gleeson, for me, is movie bacon. There's nothing Brendan Gleeson doesn't make better. Yeah. And when Brendan Gleeson yeah. is given a chance to just take over, it's always wonderful. Uh, and Colin Farrell ain't no slouch either. So, uh, of course, they were the stars of Bruges, his first movie. Uh, he wrote these parts for them specifically. Uh, It is about, um, you, you think it's about friendship and then you find out, no, it's about civil war (laughs) and it is one of the funniest and then saddest and most profound and well observed films I've seen in a long time. Uh, I'm, I'm all over this, Chris. I love this movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This was, I saw this, um, I, I, my kids were off school, or no, my kids were in school. I was off work that day. It was the day before election day, so I went and saw this at like a nine in the morning show at our local mall. Um, got my cup of coffee, sat down, and it was the best thing to wake up to. It was, uh, it, it is. I think it might be the funniest movie I've seen this year, um, and the saddest. But I don't think it's the funniest and the and then the saddest. What's what's so uh, fascinating is how it's funny and sad at the exact same time. So many ways through until the end. A- until the end. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, ain't, I, it ain't funny anymore. But yes, <laughs> I saw this the same day. I went. I left this. Went across the hall and saw Tar. Um, and oh, I think I, think I preferred day. this. I, I like as much as I like Tar. I think I preferred this because. It is such. It feels like a fable almost. It feels like an old folk tale. Oh yeah. Uh, oh like yeah. Just these two bickering people. What I loved was this isn't just grumpy old Irishman, right? Like Colin Farrell's character when he learns that Brendan Gleeson just doesn't like him anymore. He is wounded and sad because that is his whole, uh, his whole identity is wrapped up in the fact that people like him. And yes, y- you see it begin to like unravel him. But Brendan Gleeson, he could easily just be playing, you know, the grumpy old asshole here, but he's not. He's a, you know, he, he's got his own reasons for feeling the way he does. He's dealing with depression. He's very, oddly enough, very kind about cutting his best friend out of his life. He he tries <laughs> to be very civil about it. And it just goes into some places that I won't spoil for the people who haven't seen the movie, but it's really this story about how our Pettiness and our uh, our desire to just hold on to what we want from other people ends up just kind of hurting ourselves in the end. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I, I couldn't have said it better. That's yeah, exactly
1: it's... right. And at the same time, you learn a lot of really important things. Like people are getting hit by bread trucks every day. <laughs> it's just uh, at yeah. one point, there's a conversation in this movie, Chris. I I I don't think I left her anything all year. Was <laughs> this what is that? It's a stick with a hook on it. I'm going to use it. What do you use it for? To hook things to stick away. <laughs> it, it is such gold. a- Gold. Absolute gold. I, I nearly cried in the theater laughing. It's so good.
0: It's such a funny script. Um, And, and Brandon Gleason and Colin Farrell are both fantastic. Spectacular. Um, like Colin Farrell has just, I remember back probably about 20 years ago when he was trying to be the movie star, right? Which just meant he got cast in a lot of very boring things. Yeah, but in the last few years, I think he's found the right way to use himself. He is a very good character actor. He's yeah, he's an actor. He's he's, he's he really, really good. Um, he was so good that I'm going to mention it again. I went home that that night. Maybe it was the night after. It was later that week, and that's what made me rent After Yang because he stars in that. Okay, and, uh, totally different performance. A uh, little more subdued, a lot more subdued movie. Um, he's fantastic in both of those. He's. He's great. And Brendan Gleason, great in everything I see him in. He's yes. funny. He's crusty. He's he was great on Saturday Night Live a few weeks yes. ago. Um, but also Barry Keegan.
1: Oh, so good. Oh,
0: he that part was written for him too. Oh yeah. so good. And I'm forgetting the actress who plays Colin Farrell's sister. Oh my. Oh my. She it was like, written all, for her. <laughs> yeah, and these people all have full characters they're playing. They're all impacted by what everyone else does. Uh it's such a good movie
1: and it's about so i mean yes i mean we talked about what what it's about but it's also about so much more i mean it is about uh the desire to create art the necessity to create art uh as a form of identity uh it is about what we expect and uh and want from others uh it's about cruelty it's about <laughs> yeah. in in many forms uh it's about the love we can have for animals it's, it's an yeah. incredible
0: movie. Well, in so and on top ways. of that, it's also the background of it is the Civil War of Ireland, Yes, which informs it. But it, I appreciate it's not an allegory or anything. It's it's there. But this story is still the story of these characters. They're absolutely not, not being forced into any allegorical mode or anything. Um, I, I really thought it was about the pig headedness of men and how because you think any of these any of these two men. Colin Farrell, yeah, he's his character's wounded, but if he would have just given his friend some space, or if Brendan Gleeson's character would have just maybe considered breaking it to his friend a little bit, but, but they're both so focused on what they want that they're not going to give the other person an inch, and uh, it yeah. goes to the so dark places. I think at the end, actually, what it's about
1: is the danger of attachment to identity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is not something we'd like to talk about. We like to promote identity. <laughs> and this is about, well, no step, step back from everything you think defines you and you will be happier. It's hard. yeah, It's not easy, but
0: uh, r- refusing to do that leads to very, very bad things. It it, it it goes to some, I was trying to explain it to my wife, trying to tell me, cause she loves Ireland. We're Irish or she's more Irish than I am, but I've got a little Irish. Um, and so she loves all things Ireland. She loves Brendan Gleeson. And I'm trying to tell her about the movie. I'm like, yeah, it's got all these things you love. I don't know if you would love this. Uh, I, I, like trying to explain to her, it's dark, but it's also really funny. And she couldn't, like, I'm. Uh, it's Irish. It's yeah. so Irish. It, it's very, it, it might be the most Irish movie ever made. Yes, um, it's up there. It's up there. Com- comedy out of bodily mutilation.
1: So. um, I meant to ask this. I don't know if we've ever talked about this movie. Mm-hmm uh especially if you love uh if you if you love uh brendan gleason have you seen the general the john borman movie no okay so this is this is a top of the list you you need to check this out okay okay it's one of the great it's 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 the great unheralded john borman film, and it was really well reviewed at the time and it's it's still a great movie late 90s uh it is about a, a an irish cop who chased one of the one of the most compelling Irish criminals of their day. Brendan Gleeson plays the criminal, John Voigt plays the cop. And they are both amazing. And it's, it was the first time Gleeson was given just such a giant, meanie part to do. And it is it is a pleasure to watch. It's a really great movie. Uh, and I think you would like it immensely. So that, is, that is a recommendation to you, especially and to the listeners, if you've never seen The General, by all means do so.
0: Uh, I would also highly recommend uh, Cavalry. Calvary. Oh, Calvary, yes. Fantastic movie. Oh, what a um, great movie. And then followed up with a little Paddington, too, because <laughs> he's great in Paddington, too. And Paddington, too, is a great movie. So
1: and of course, Calvary from uh, McDonough's brother. Yes. Yes. So these, these guys know how to use their branding Gleeson.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Fantastic movie. I, I loved it. Uh, yeah. That was the start of the week. That was that. Tar after Yang after Sun and I was on such a roll and then I saw Black Panther Wakanda forever. these things yeah. happen <laughs> yeah these oh things well happen. um so let's get to the main event now because we were both actually in the same room when we saw the uh the next movie um I did not see you there but yeah, I yeah we missed each other <laughs> yeah I. I got there earlier and I was – I think I was on the other side of the auditorium and then I didn't – wasn't able to get out to like halfway through the credits. Um, Okay. But I could hear you. I could hear you down to the left uh, laughing very hard at The Fablemans.
1: Yes. Uh. This is Steven Spielberg making the film I have wanted him to make his entire career, (laughs) a film in which he finally dealt with his family issues without having to involve aliens. God bless him for finally figuring this out. And really, basically, as I said last year about West Side Story, God bless Tony Kushner because there has been nobody in Spielberg's career who has done more to make him grow as an artist than Tony Kushner. There is no better, he's had no better partner artistically ever. Uh, I mean, this is four films they've made together. It's Munich, Lincoln, West Side Story, and this. And let's face it, those are the four best films he's made this century and therefore the six best films he's ever made. So this is, this, this is the person uh, I want.
0: <laughs> I'm going to quibble on that a little bit. Let's see this century, I might, I might agree with you this century. Um, yes. The I, four best
1: films he's made this century. I don't think there, I don't think there's anything close. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Cause as much as I even like his sci-fi stuff, like, AI and minority. AI Report. is the
1: closest, and I think that's lesser than the worst of those four films. And I don't even know what the worst of those four films is. It's probably West Side Story.
0: Yeah, yeah, you might and be right. West those Side are, those pretty are great. good. Those are <laughs> yeah. all good. Um, I, I still, I, I you know, I, I I love his earlier stuff, but uh, yeah, Spielberg's my guy. Um, like he he is probably yes. the. I, I won't say I I don't. I, I won't go as far as to say he's the greatest American filmmaker, living American filmmaker, because. You know, I he's not, but no, he's not. <laughs> uh, he you know, he he doesn't have a film in the 100, so I'm saying, yes, he does. <laughs> I think Jaws is in the 100, does he? I thought I went through the list,
1: yeah. I'm pretty sure not one of those, maybe not. Pretty I, sure, it's, Jaws I or,
0: yeah, I think Jaws is in there. Um, I could very well be wrong, okay. Uh, but yeah, Spielberg's my guy, he is he is wired into like who I am as a movie lover because. The first film I ever saw was E.T. The movie that made me fall in love with movies was Jurassic Park. Um, The first time I ever cried in a movie was Saving Private Ryan. Um, This is a guy who's just like hardwired into my DNA. Um, I don't even mind that he's dealt with divorce so many times and had to use aliens to do it. um, Because I love Close Encounters. I love E.T. But the Fablemans knocked me on my ass. Like, yeah, this is this is him. This is the close. Like I, I don't know. It's always looked at kind of weird by some people when filmmakers do an autobiography or a memoir style movie. Even though we don't look at it as weird when a writer writes a memoir, um, yeah. and, and this is basically the story of his growing up. It's a different family name and things like that. But if you've watched the Spielberg documentary from 2017, you know his family history and it plays out here. Um, but it's also, you know, it, it's his parents' marriage unraveling. While he, this kid is also becoming uh, someone who loves film and finds that it's going to be the thing he pursues, but also becomes kind of terrified by the power it has that that he wields with it and the the power it might have to shape him and others and the fear he has about what that does to his family. And it is, it is fantastic. It is one of my favorites this year.
1: It's, it's really good. It's, it's just, it's, uh, like I said, he's a film I have wanted him to make. It's, it's, maturity looks real good on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's less, and I mean, emotional maturity. I'm not making any comment about the film being childish or not. This is, this is such a release to get to deal with this directly. Yeah. And not, to not have to beat around the bush about this. Uh, it is full of wonderful performances, uh, Michelle Williams and Paul Dano are both just great. The care, you know, Kushner makes sure that there's no bad guy here. There's no. just motivation. There's no there's no bad guy. There's no one to hate. There's only really complicated stuff that you don't even work through. You just have to deal with as you're confronted with it. And sometimes that's family stuff, and sometimes that is anti-Semitism, and sometimes that's just mean teenagers. And sometimes that's uh, that's that's uh, an uncle who's not an uncle, and so, <laughs> sometimes it's uh, it's a very scary grandmother. It's uh, it's it, it is so uh, it is so right that you know the film that shakes Spielberg's world is the greatest show on earth, which is widely considered and corrected to be the worst film ever to win the Best Picture Oscar. Yeah. and they're 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 right. It's, the, it's Well, you know, maybe in Dakota, but that's, they're right. It's a worse <laughs> film. It's a worst film than Coda, Don't get me wrong. Uh, this is, and uh, uh, that's all great. I, I don't, uh, anybody who wants to pick at this film, I'm like, well, then you don't, I can understand if you don't care if you're not invested in Spielberg, I'm not invested in Spielberg as you are. I have found him problematic from the beginning, and this is the first film that melts away all of those problems. Well, he doesn't even end it incorrectly. He, mm-hmm. His he, there is not that needed moment of oh everything's okay now, that he's always has to go with because he's got to make you feel okay because he's got to try to make himself feel okay, and it feels like for the first time after watching you know after watching this tale, which is all about him discovering uh and us being told he doesn't discover it even that's one of the things i really love about this movie is that you know the mother character explains why it is he loves this stuff yeah <laughs> he loves it because he can it can control he can control things it calms his anxiety about everything and so to have him at an age where he can now understand that <laughs> as an artist himself and tell that story absolutely beautiful, absolutely touching. Like I said, maturity, like I have never seen. <laughs> you rarely see out of film artists. Uh, very few film artists mature as people and get better. <laughs> they're, they're, they might mature as artists, but they don't necessarily mature as people. And I feel that Spielberg really has. And
0: uh, I think he's going to be rewarded with another Best Director Oscar at the very least. Potentially. Um, I've. I would never want to encourage someone to quit Uh, and I hope there are many more years of (laughs) Steven Spielberg movies I get to enjoy but if this was the last Steven Spielberg movie I feel like this is this is a capstone film for him this is because he's engaging with himself as a filmmaker like this is a movie that is aware that it is a Steven Spielberg movie like he's he's very well aware he's telling his life story through a Steven Spielberg movie, right? Like he, there are winks that say, you know, this is a movie. This uh, very explicitly at the very end of the movie, the but, best last shot of the year. Oh, it's great, but but also characters who say, you know, I'll keep this secret, you know, unless I make a movie. It's him winking, Um, but it feels like he's also wrestling with some things he's dealt with throughout his like his daddy issues for the first, oh, yeah. for the first half of his career he has been obsessed with deadbeat dads and i feel like this is a movie that brings resolution to that this is this is him kind of coming full circle on his relationship with his father which has changed over the course of the years as he's learned more about uh, about what you know his father's choices to leave the marriage and things like that yeah. um there is a scene in this movie and it's going to be, be spoilers because Whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, you have your chance, people. Go see it. Go see it. And, and it's it not com- a movie that can be spoiled. Yeah. Honestly, it's not about that. There is a sequence where he, I'm, I'm for Sammy Fableman, I, you know, young Steven Spielberg, is going through family videos and family films. Uh, they weren't videos at that point, but uh, he spots that his mother and his not really uncle played by Seth Rogen have this closeness between them. And he shows that footage to his mom because it bothers him. He he's discovered something in that. And her response is she's like devastated by what she sees. So my first reading of this was the mom character, Michelle Williams realized, Oh, he discovered my affair. Thinking about it again, as I drove home that night, I realized, no, she wasn't aware of her feelings until he presented that film to her. And so it, it he was revealing the emotional feelings she had for that character. And the reason that character decides to Sammy decides to not make films after that is because he realizes what he's caught, what he's, what he has on film has revealed something that has destroyed his parents relationship. Um, that was my reading of that scene, because she says later on that they were not engaged in a full on affair. Right. So I, th- I my reading of that is she was she was revealing, you know, she was having these feelings revealed to her through the film. This is a movie where revelations happen through film.
1: The, the interesting. I, I I disagree with you, but I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I, I have a different reading on it. Because for me, so there are there are there are three moments in this movie where Tony Kushner takes over, where they are Tony Kushner moments and they're they're because they're beautifully written moments. And one, and for me, it was the first moment in the movie where I gasped in sheer joy. And it is actually the monologue, the very short monologue Michelle Williams has early on when she's in bed with Paul Dano, describing what it's like to play piano, the joy of playing piano, yes, and describes yes. that that is so poetic and so beautiful. I mean, that's the first hint of what is going on underneath the surface of this, you know, we have seen Paul Dano be this incredibly, an engineer, this incredibly right-brained person, <laughs> you know, it's just, or left-brained person, just totally ordered, we can do this, we will solve this problem doing this, and that will be that, and this is the best thing to do. Uh, and to realize how full of passion she is, I disagree with you. I think I think your reading of it is what Sammy Fableman thinks in the moment. Oh, interesting. I don't think that's what happened. I think she's, I think she's well aware now that what she believes she has been hiding, she has not been able to hide that she, she, she was fully aware of her feelings and throughout as, because she does, her story does not change. She does not want to hurt his dad. She doesn't want to hurt Fableman. It's like, you know, I understand now why you're mad at me because you see this thing that I thought I had been hiding. Um, and that's why it's really touching when he says, you know, I'm not going to show this to anybody. It's, it's this moment when, you know, it's the moment when one of the parents becomes not perfect, which is great. That's, you know, that is, that is, that is, you know, one of the quintessential coming of age moments. Um, he's not, he doesn't think less of her mm-hmm. because they talk talked about it. She's, she's, she admits to it as much as there is to admit to, uh, so I, I I would give it more complication than that. I I I I, I read it differently than you do, and like, perfectly family reading. I'm not trying to say you're wrong. And, and by now anyways,
0: I, now you're making me realize too that in addition to this kind of coming full circle on Spielberg's deadbeat dad theme, this is also Spielberg who like idolized mothers early in his career, giving us a mother who is complex and flawed and. Yeah. Because here's, the, I, I was talking to someone about it. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put our friend Nate Adams on blast, who who hated this movie. <laughs> and uh, I I was talking to him a bit, and he one of his problems with the movie was Michelle Williams' performance, um, because she's she goes very big in it, um, and I don't disagree with him that she goes big. I think that character and probably Spielberg's mother. Was a big character. She was the woman who walked into a room. Every eye went to her. She threw everything into everything she said. And the film realizes how that can be endearing, especially when you're a kid. And and that's, that's the mom you want to play with and make believe with. um, But also how it can be exhausting and dangerous to a family sometimes. And the, when both parents aren't aligned on that and, Mm -hmm. uh, and Paul Dano, same thing, like, his character is not presented as, you know, the harsh dream killer, right? Not he, at all. He does kind of, you know, he he doesn't understand that his son has this obsession that he keeps dismissing as a hobby, but it's more than that to his son. And he encourages him to think of other things that could, you know, lead to a career that makes more sense to him. Mm-hmm. But he also supplies him with all the equipment he needs. Yes, and he's amazed when he sees what his son can do. That the sequence where they're watching the film and you realize that he's poked holes in it to uh, have the bullets. Yes, and, and his dad is amazed. He's got this connection with his son, and it's it's a very clear-eyed look at at parent like his parents. Just yeah, they're flawed, but it's it's still very lovingly the way he looks at them.
1: And my absolute, and this is total spoiler territory. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, not, again, not that this movie can be spoiled, but the moment where I really, where he landed, where I realized he's going to land this, he's 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 done it correctly. Is you know that that sequence near the end in which they are the family is having the last conversation when when they're telling the kids that they are not going to be living together anymore, and you know Sammy's off away from the group as the as the girls are yelling at their parents and all of a sudden you know we cut to eight millimeter footage you know family home movie footage of this scene happening and i'm thinking no no he wouldn't this is what he couldn't do for 40 years why why is he lying about this now and then there's that slow pan of it into the camera and you see sammy holding the eight millimeter camera filming this and then the smash cut to him back on the stairs not with the camera not able yeah. to do this i'm like that's beautiful that is the most beautiful, I mean, it's, I hate to call it self-relevatory because some of us have known it for 40 years watching his work, but for him to admit it cinematically was very wonderful. <laughs> I'm like, that is, that is, that's beautiful. That's really good. And that is why, yeah, this will be, I, I you know, I, am I'm, I'm not interested in calling it the best Spielberg film ever. It, it's my favorite. At this point, I, I can't. There's no Spielberg film that I think is more from the heart, more genuinely from the heart than that one. A filmmaker who gets called having a big heart all the time, which is part of the reason I've always had a problem with him, because he hides. I don't think he does. He can't really talk about it. This time he talks about it. I love this movie.
0: I, I think this is top top 10 for me on him. I, I, I still like. I have a lot of love for Raiders of the Lost Ark and Jaws. But- I also think that I'm kind of bouncing all over here, but uh, the thing that kept coming up in my mind when I was writing my review and thinking about the movie was, um, have you ever read the book On Writing by Stephen King? Oh, yes. Which is best book on writing I have ever read. It it is fantastic. Um, And it's part memoir and it's part, you know. Part craft. It's it's Mm -hmm. part telling you how to write. And and a lot of the you know stuff Stephen King admits is, you know, a lot of books about writing are bullshit. Like we don't really always know what we're doing. There is a scene near the end of this movie where Sammy has made a student a senior film that has captured his bully in a certain two of his bullies in very different ways. Uh, And it's fantastic because you start to realize Oh, he understands what he's doing, how he's framing this guy and setting it up a different way. So another bully kind of is the butt of the joke, but the other one's like this God. But there's this conversation that happens after. Yeah. Where I feel like it's a confession from Steven Spielberg where he's like, I don't even always know why this works. The, the, you know, I, I've heard some people say it's like he's a savant. Like, but I, and I think it's more of a confession. He's an emotional filmmaker. And it's that confession that, I don't know why I, why this all works all the time. Right. It just feels like the right thing to do. And it, it seems to work. Um, You know, he's not the filmmaker like John Ford, who's going to come out and say, well, if you put the camera here and it does this, and it, which literally happens later in the movie in yes. one of my favorite scenes. Um, yes. He,
1: the most famous story in Steven Spielberg's career is finally filmed. <laughs>
0: yes. yes yeah with, with a with another great actor standing or great director standing for another exactly great and it's so great and then just the final wink at that last moment uh like that could have been so cheesy like his original so again we're in full spoilers so there's that adjustment at the very end that yes. that pulls the horizon into the right place to the more interesting place right Correct. the original way spielberg wanted to end that was the film would just end with Sammy walking down the lot and you would hear Spielberg yell cut which would not have worked no that would have been worse but the little visual joke at the end is so perfect and really just a really like an acknowledgement like yeah i'm i'm not perfect i am still learning this shit and well um, and i'm still following john ford i mean it
1: is yeah. it is a it is a more wonderful ode to the history of film than than another
0: film that we might talk about next time we talk. Yes. (laughs) A film I'm not allowed to talk about yet. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Um, And we haven't even mentioned Judd Hirsch. So we've talked about this in the past. One of my favorite yearly traditions
1: uh, that film comment used to do was the moments out of time list. Yes. They would ask people just for a, a shot, a moment, maybe a single line of dialogue That just stuck with you all year. It doesn't have to be a good movie. It doesn't matter. Just something that will, you know, in the the sheer joy and alchemy of film, drilled it in your brain forever. And for me, it will be. Tell your clothes, sleep on the floor. (laughs) So good to cap this amazing five minute monologue that Judd Hirsch has. (laughs) This is is where Tony Kushner gets to run wild. have so much fun having Judd Hirsch deliver this monologue and to have
0: it end on that is so good I I hope I'm remembering this correctly you were at the screening so you might be able to confirm it in my mind when Judd Hirsch left the, the film people applauded
1: uh i don't there were a few times i clapped throughout the movie so i don't know if i did or not at that moment okay uh and part of that is the wink the 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 the, the, i'm gonna use i'm gonna coin the term shit eating wink that he gives at the end when he's (laughs) taking off to sammy which is wonderful yes i i I love the talk that judd Hirsch is going to be nominated for this eight minutes of film Mm -hmm. like it's and he probably will be and it won't be undeserved i'll be fine with it if he is Yes. It's a, it's a bravura moment. It's a, it is a showstopper moment in the best sense.
0: It's really good and it's funny, but it's also the main struggle Sammy has is the thing he brings up that, you know, you love your family and you love your art, but he kind of hints, you love your art a little bit more. And that that's fantastic. That, that suggestion. Um, And I will just say as someone who grew up in very strict Christian culture, the girl Sammy dates in the back so half of the movie was the funniest was thing I had ever seen depicting Christianity. It is so good.
1: That is the third scene in which I feel Kushner takes over. Because if it's one thing about Spielberg, and I think, I think we've talked about this, I think you agree with me on this. Um, he can land a gag. It's not that he doesn't understand how you get to laugh, mm-hmm. but he's never been able to sustain comedy. No. He doesn't do long scenes that are funny throughout. He can build to a gag and pay it off. Yeah, that is the most funny scene in the history of Steven Spielberg's work. That scene, every single line is hilarious because it is true. It is painful and it is funny. <laughs> and it is it is a pleasure to watch these two teenagers try to deal with all sorts of conflicting desires and emotions and how one is trying to separate them. And one is trying to fuse them. It's a perfect scene in every possible way. Such a good movie. It's It's the best scene about a teenager feeling guilty about sex that Scorsese didn't do. (laughs) It's it's, it's a Scorsese scene is what it is with an absolute Jewish sensibility. Don't get me wrong. It's full Tony Kushner, (laughs) but Oh, it's so good. It's so good.
0: It is. I I am really bummed this didn't get a better release. I I feel like this is a movie that twenty years ago would have been a solid box office hit. Um, because you always had the more adult oriented stuff where you could squeak out like a hundred million or something. And this just I feel like they they bungled well, whatever release. They didn't
1: this guy. bungle it. It's just a difference in people yeah. going to movies. The name a movie like that that's made a hundred million in the last two years. Yeah, That's true. It doesn't happen anymore. First of all, it would have come out. It would have come out at the end of December. It would have been absolute Oscar. Mm-hmm. They would have positioned it as that, and it would have had a better chance of doing that then. Uh, you know, then meaning both that time of the year and a few years ago. Uh, it, it is really weird to put this out end of November.
0: It's not, this feels it's like a not, Christmas Day really. It's
1: not a family. It, I mean, it's a family movie, and there's nothing offensive in it. But it's not – there's no name to sell it. Like it's not – it it doesn't have the IP of West Side Story, if you'll allow me to use such an atrocious phrase in the (laughs) realm of West Side Story. But like there's nothing to sell this other than this is Steven Spielberg being really personal.
0: Guess what? That's all I want to buy from him. Thank you. Thank you, Steven. It could have been a streamer, so I'm glad it was not. Uh, this was one I feel like I'm glad it's on theaters.
1: Yeah, that uh, one was never going to be a streamer. Stephen wouldn't let that go to. It will make sure this played in theaters.
0: <laughs> it will be on streaming in two weeks. So uh, yeah. if you're listening to this, you can pay 20 bucks and listen to it or uh, watch it. Um, and I would recommend using your 20 bucks to watch it. It is. It's a very, it's very good the movie. Yeah, go to the theater and spend five dollars. Or if you're an AMC exactly Stubs member, it's already paid for. Matt, yeah, matinees are still just
1: six bucks and change on the weekend. Come on, people, it's good. It's good, it's worth your money. Uh, it's worth your money. Go see it when Avatar's sold out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, just don't go see Avatar. Just wait for it. <laughs> Watch Avatar on your iPhone. You'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> do, you, do you have anything else to say about the Fablemans, Perry?
1: Uh no. Have I told people to see it? Have I said I, I've I mentioned that enough? Go okay, good. Yes, just it. see it. It's, it's i i I, it is i have never felt such a real human being behind the camera in a spielberg film before i feel like every shot in there is for him he's not thinking about his audience and i think that that's really wonderful and
0: yeah i i, I just i like it <laughs> quite a bit uh that's all I'll say. I, I have a whole <laughs> review of it. I'll link to it in the show notes. So um, yeah, Perry, this brings us to the end of uh our episode, but also probably the end of our 2022. I mean, I, I'm I know how often I can record and how uh <laughs> how, how our schedules align. So it's probably gonna be January before we talk again, hopefully early January. Yeah. Um and and my my thought is we need to, to get to the players
1: sooner or later. Yeah, it's it's time. I, I think that's an outstanding way to start the year. I, so I, yes, let's let's plan on Robert Altman's the player.
0: So see, you got you got the player to look forward to. I'm sure we'll do more 2022 catch ups because I know Absolutely. most of my January is spent catching up with 2022 releases. Uh, I know the Northman has been staring at me from my queue for the last two weeks, so uh, I need to get around to that one.
1: It's it's weirdly the most accessible of his three movies.
0: Strange, <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah, okay, uh, it is.
1: <laughs> wow, it's not my favorite movie Anya Taylor Joy was in this year. How's that? And it feels right. like she was in everything, so
0: she's in a lot. Yes, she has been the it girl for the last two years, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like she slipped into the role that uh Mia Wasikowski was was in for a bit, yeah, she's so much more distinct looking,
1: and I think that's a lot to do with those eyes, are yeah. are. I, I'm, I, that's, it's one of the reasons I really like her in the menu. It's, it's, that's I think she's hard to cast because she is so singular looking. Mm -hmm. And uh, the menu is the first time I can think of it. It feels like, oh, you're, you're normal. You can play a normal person.
0: (laughs) Uh, Nicholas, Nicholas Holtz in that as well, right? Yes, he is. Okay. Very funny. Screamingly funny. Uh, As is much of the movie. There are. I laughed a lot during the menu. It's, it's really smart. I will add that's my list. Horror's been actually really solid this year. I saw. Did you see Barbarian? Barbarian? No, I keep hearing good things. It, it's but it's, I have it's, not decent. Yet. it's decent. It's um, decent. I live about five miles from where it takes place, and uh, they get that area just right. Um, it's the <laughs> Broadmead area, um, but it was filmed in like Budapest or something. But they get the desolation right. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. yeah. <laughs> good, so good to know Budapest can double for Detroit. Perry, where can people find you?
1: You can find me uh, on Facebook. You can hear me every Friday morning on the Lucy and Lance show on WLBY. You can hear me right here with Chris, my favorite place to talk about movies.
0: You can find me on Cinema Nerds. uh, That's with a Z. Cinema Nerds with a Z. I think after I'm done with this, I got to go type up a Violent Night review or View Emancipation to review or... I know I can't watch Pinocchio yet. But uh so so I'll have reviews for there. That. So eager for that. Uh yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. Actually, I think Mike's handling that one, but I'm still going to watch it. Uh so you can get me there. Uh you can subscribe to my newsletter, Criticisms, which uh, you know, I'm doing some fun Christmassy stuff. I just wrote about Die Hard 2, which is a Christmas movie actually. Um and I think I'm going to try and endure all the Santa Claus movies uh, with my good kids. Uh, yeah, I hate myself. Why uh- do <laughs> you do this to yourself? <laughs> if you want to hear me talk about good movies, listen to this podcast. Thank you. You saved them for me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. This is where I have my highbrow conversations. Uh, on my newsletter, it's uh, Santa Claus and Predator. So- <laughs> Unfortunately, not teamed up.
1: But uh, Well, don't, just, just write it now. I'm sure you can get that made. Oh, uh, that I guarantee. I guarantee
0: Universal it. owns the rights to uh Violet Knight and Krampus and uh Perfect Equals coming. I, I guarantee. Also watch <laughs> Krampus, it's a pretty good movie. But uh <laughs> superb. Superb. Everyone have a Merry Christmas. Watch some Die Hard. We'll be back next year. Take care,
1: and to all a good night.